my name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 718. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. So um, I'm going to share a few quick things and then also talk about your Zen Parenting moment for okay, a second. sure. But first, why don't you tease the main topic? Do you have any like William Wallace like clips where he says freedom? Um, I don't. I but what's the opposite of freedom, sweetie? Non freedom. Control, right? Control. Okay, that's good. All right. So this it's funny because we'll have a quick discussion about this clip. But, okay. Um, I'm sure. I'm hoping you'll know what this is from. <laughs> Control, control, you must learn control. So that's, See, that's a very nuanced choice. I know, because Yoda is telling him to be in more control. Correct. And what we're going to talk about is how certain behaviors of humans, they over control. So they, they, no, they try to control other people. Yes. That's because the freedom. Yeah, like Luke needs to learn control. Inner control. And Yoda is saying, and, and we're saying, actually, why don't you loosen the grip a bit? <laughs> well, and that's the that's why these conversations, I love these conversations. Like I don't, I don't like to shy away from these nuanced conversations where it's like control is good, control is bad, which is exactly what my Zen Parenting moment was about. Yeah, life is messy. Life is messy. And the thing is, is con- what we're going to talk about is... The mo- the most pop culture reference right now is over the weekend. Uh, actor Jonah Hill got um, called out by a girlfriend or an ex girlfriend that he was very emotionally abusive. And you know, you hear that, you kind of read through it, whatever. But then she shared a lot of texts uh, demonstrating what this looked like, um, at least through text for her. I'm sure she had plenty of experiences that we'll never hear or understand. And they they are very. I think for a lot of women, maybe men too, they feel very, um, we've seen these things before, either in our own lives or in our friends' lives, this desire to control the person that we love. And then the the step further, and we'll dive deeper into this after you're done with your first things, is then we use clinical speak to like co-opt mm-hmm. Like we, we co-opt therapy speak to make it sound like it's okay. Said in another way, and I actually had this written down in preparation of today's podcast, the weaponization of self-awareness. Correct. Which is my, this is going to sound funny to say it's my sweet spot, but I write about that all the time. I actually tried to write a full book about it that mm-hmm. didn't work out. But this taking of self-awareness and hijacking it for people's um, desire to um, use it corruptly. Yeah. You know, they corrupt the system. And it's a lot of, there are, within a system like self-help or self-awareness or mindfulness, there's so many good people trying to do good things and then bad actors get in there and mess it all up. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead, Todd. So three things uh, in in an effort of promotion. One is we have an amazing YouTube channel, so like, subscribe, and comment on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, we have Team Zen. So we have an app on a phone. It's kind of a VIP or an insider's track to everything that is Zen parenting, which includes Kathy's women, Kathy's women's group. Uh, we send out swag. We have micro communities. We have, I think, over 150 Zen talks, and it's a live Zoom thing. So that's the second thing. And I do want to thank Mary from Elmhurst and Emily from Gurney, our most recent additions to the Team Zen platform. Welcome. And then lastly, um, Kathy's book. Okay. You have a book called Zen Parenting. I do. Parenting in our parenting ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. Those three things will be in the show notes. Just scroll and click. Yeah. Sometimes people will say, I need to get somebody a parenting book or a friend a parenting book. What should I get? <clears throat> and it's weird for me to be like, mine. Yeah. <laughs> but it is I, the reason that I like Zen Parenting and that I'm glad that's a book that's out there if, just for me personally is I feel like it's an encapsulation um, to the best of my ability of this show. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things we're trying to talk about. So if you feel like there's someone, either yourself or someone who is a reader 
and you're trying to explain, there's these ideas that I'm interested in because remember, nothing Todd and I talk about is absolute. So it's more about processing your own ideas as you're reading. Um, but the book is a good way to, and uh, you know, it's won a few awards. It's been having a good year. Yes, it has. It becomes like its own little thing. It's its own little person and it's having a good year on its own. It is. And I, hopefully it'll have a good year next year too. But this year you're enjoying yeah. wonderful success. Yeah, thank you. Um, and don't forget about this. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. This is something we used to do in our early days of Zen parenting. It was just an opportunity for me to complain about something. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was at a restaurant with my family last week and uh, wonderful food. I'm not going to name who it was or where it was. Wonderful food, got the bill. And I noticed there's a 3% charge on it. Uh-huh. And I forget what they called it. I should have taken a screenshot. Service. A service charge. Like Ticketmaster does it too. Yeah, it's like a convenience fee yeah, mm-hmm. for the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of wondering, like, what's up with that? Like, why don't you just raise your prices by 3%? I feel like it's a sneaky way to keep um, menu uh, prices on menu items a little bit lower and yet still gain a little bit of revenue. And it just bothers me. So does it? I'm putting it in the tournament of bad. Well, and again, <clears throat> this is like a maybe a naive and not a fiscally thoughtful way to look at it, but because the restaurants we tend to go to are, you know, ones that we like and we'd like them to keep going, I'm kind of like, It's just a weird way of adding revenue. That's all I'm saying. I know. And you're right. Like when it comes to something like Ticketmaster where you've just spent $1,000 on tickets and then they're like, oh, and by the way, here's another 500. I mean, come on. You know, like that's insane because it's hidden, you know. Um, but they, it was up front. Mm-hmm. It, they did say up front. Well, they said it at the bottom of the receipt that oh. you, yeah. Okay. So, um, in relation to that, okay. restaurants that don't give you, just put the ketchup on the table. <laughs> Quit giving me these little containers of ketchup. Now I am a ketchup freak. You are you are a ketchup lover. I love ketchup. And I feel like an idiot asking for eight little baby things of Cameron ketchup. Cameron has to do that too. Just put the ketchup on the table. Well, I would love if somebody here is a restaurant owner or somebody who works in a restaurant, um, let us know what the thought is behind that. I'm assuming it's to save money because, you know, if you put the whole thing on the table, then you're going through it a lot faster. Yeah. Um, so there's a reason, but it also is then you've got to buy all those little containers. It yeah. just must be a pain. I don't quite understand it. Now, fancy restaurants, I get it. They are try- they're going for ambiance. But right. if you're at a sports bar yeah. or at like a microbrewery that serves right. food, just give me the bottle of ketchup and yeah. let me decide how much ketchup I want. We talk about that a lot just because you and Cameron love ketchup. And then the last thing in the tournament of bad is this. <laughs> Sweetie, it's the tournament of bad. Oh, here they come. They're just prepping us. Love. Exciting and new. If you're a Gen X, just think about where you were when you're watching this show. We're expecting you. So. Don't ask me why, but Kathy and I woke up, and I decided we we're just talking, and I decided to. Well, this is why. Yeah, why? why I was talking get about get, hiring a bartender. Oh yeah. And then you and I at the same time did the Isaac thing to yeah. each other. The finger, like we did the, the finger fingers. Guns. Where we, and yeah. so then I was like Isaac. I wonder, you know, but we started talking about Isaac, and we started talking about Gopher, and then all of a sudden. Todd is like a YouTube person. Like he'll just pull anything up on YouTube. And we found, we thought we found like the a, greatest hits. Right. But, of, it, but it was actually a full episode. It was a full episode and it roped us in. And <laughs> we couldn't turn away. It was awesome and terrible. It was all at the same time. Listen, here's the feeling I had watching The Love Boat, which I've been talking about for the last 24 hours. It's not just the song is one thing because, you know, we've kind of heard that on and off. People play it as a joke. But to go into a show and to watch these people walk onto that boat you remember the staircase it's so julie with her clipboard julie's got her clipboard it's so soothing because of the age i was when i was watching that like there was i had such fond memories of watching that that it took me back and then todd and i just had a ball because everybody who gets on that boat is famous yeah and we had to like figure out remember this person mrs brady showed up. mrs brady florence henderson was there and she was like 
she was kicking it with a with Bill or Bert Convy. Yeah, something like that. And they, you know, a lot Vera of making out. From, Vera from Alice Vera showed from up. From Alice and Tanya Tucker and Mel Tillis. Yeah. Is that Mel Tillis? Yeah. They, uh, Julie and Vicky, because they're, you know, Vicky's the captain's daughter. They are like in charge of all the entertainment on the boat and they had a jamboree. You know, theme. So they had all these uh, country singers, and that was the whole thing. And the mom from Arrested Development was on oh, it. Oh yeah, Lucille, Lucille, whatever. Lucille, Lucille one. Bluth. Um, yeah, Lucille Bluth. So anyway, this the plots left something to be desired. We kind of the plots were awful, um, and they were not politically correct at all. That's at one all. thing I will say is there were so many. There were the jokes were inappropriate. Body image, body jokes. image stuff. Yeah. Um, Female male yeah. control power. That's what which we're going to talk about today. Different time, mm-hmm. um, but we kind of had fun. It was fun. I would be. Uh, it, we didn't know it was a two part episode. I know. I was like, now we're not going to find out what happens to that brooch. And I don't think we're going to. <laughs> I think there was a brooch. Oh, uh, George Jefferson was on it oh, too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he was kind of phoning it in. I was like, George Jefferson is such a good character, and Sherman Hemsley, is that his name? He's a great actor, right? And he's playing this, like, you just see that... An exaggeration of a human being. You just see that a lot of these people who go on this, it's kind of the 80s version of Dancing with the Stars, or maybe I'm, that's not kind. Maybe it's, um, it's like, it's the next, they're like trying to do another thing. Like, you know, they're like, I'm not on TV right now, I need to get back on TV. And they, I think they, they, they're not psyched. Yeah. They're kind of like... Here. Yeah. Okay, I need a paycheck. Need Let's do this. So they're kind of... Let's go on the love boat. They're kind of phoning it in a bit. Next, we, next week, stay tuned for Fantasy Island. I know. We're going to watch Fantasy Island. Um, Give me a review. So Kathy has a Zen parenting moment. It was titled Life is Messy. And I'm going to play a teeny clip from one of my favorite bo- movies called Parenthood. Oh. Um, and Just goes round and round. You'll know why. I'm going to do a lot of things. I mean, baseball's the least of it. And all those things, sometimes they're going to miss. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they will. What do you want me to give you? Guarantees? These are kids, not appliances. Life is messy. I hate messy. It's it's so messy. Here comes Grandma. You know, when I was 19, Grandpa took me on a roller coaster. So I'm not going to play that clip that Grandma You're not going to play the roller coaster story? Well, it's another hour and a half, another minute and a half. I know. I, but it is. It's a wonderful scene. If you want to YouTube the Grandma Parenthood scene because you want her inspiration. But I didn't, I didn't remember that they actually said life is messy. It's the roller coaster story by Grandma on Parenthood. It's it's wonderful. But so anyway, so I'm just going to, so the quote that you led this one is from Tara Brock. Mm Mm-hmm. There's something wonderfully bold and liberating about saying yes to our entire imperfect and messy life. Yes. Um, I highlighted a few lines from your blog, mm-hmm. so you could either just share whatever you want. No, or go I, ahead. Uh, you say, every decision and discussion contains nuance. Life is messy, less definitive, and we're constantly forced to wrestle with the paradox of opposing expectations. You're perfect as you are, but keep improving. Relationships can offer fulfillment and happiness, but relationships can never truly make you happy. Be wise, but keep making mistakes. Um, You go on to say the internal world of all human beings, regardless of age, is paradoxical and undoubtedly messy. Anything you want to share beyond some of those quotes? Just I think the, you know, I think the first couple lines I write about that we like life to be metaphorical, like it's black and white or, uh, you know, good or bad. And we're like, you're either good or bad. You're either my friend or you're not. And it's funny. We're going to talk a little bit about that with friendships, too. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the things. But it's like nothing is like that, everybody. And I know it takes age. Like I'm from a very um, privileged position right now, being the age I am to kind of see the trajectory of life and recognize that nothing's like that. But I think there was, I know there was times in my life, it doesn't even matter about me personally, but I I knew that, you know, like when you're talking to someone and they're like, well, now I'm going to cut you off because you did this thing, or I don't like this person anymore because they don't like the things that I like, or um, I made this mistake as a parent, therefore I'm a bad parent, or my kid had a successful week, therefore I'm a great parent. <laughs> like it's that these cut and dry things are not true. Mm-hmm. You are all the things. And that understanding, while Todd just said you lose a little control then because you don't have your certainty and your black and white thinking, it's also how you can be resilient through hard times because you don't see them as definitive characteristics where now everything's bad. Mm -hmm. You actually are like, yeah, like the, you know, I think I've said this before, but something that I, 
I know that my kids know. And if they don't know it, they're going to, when they experience it, they're going to be like, oh, mom used to say this all the time, is when things are not going well, yeah, yeah, that's part of the whole thing. Now, if you're having consistency where you keep hitting walls, keep hitting walls, things may need to change, shift. It may be you. It may be something that you're putting out there. But the idea that things go wrong doesn't mean you're wrong. Well, we've had um, some of our, you know, all three of our children have had super duper big time struggles. Yeah. And there were times in those moments, I'm like, how did I miss this? Or how did we miss this? Or how did we let it get to this point? Mm -hmm. And that's no indication on how good of parents we are. Just sometimes stuff happens. Well, if, even that sentence as a parent, how did we yeah. let it get to, it's their lives. Yeah. And they are having an experience that sometimes there's things, there's forces that are outside of our outside of our home that are contributing that they couldn't have predicted. Like, that's like saying, how did we, you know, not catch the coronavirus before it affected our whole world? Like, it's very, yeah, and life is unpredictable. And for me, it's like, um, there's parts, there's an egoic part of me. It's like, as long as I do this and this and this, then our, our kids will yeah. be this and this and mm -hmm. this. And the bottom line is that's not possible. Mm -mm. But what we're trying to do is minimize the odds of our kids being terrible people. Yes. And, or, and that, yeah. so when we're talking about nuance, that's the thing is that we'll go back to Yoda at the beginning about control, control, you must have control. There are parts of being a parent that necessitate our attention. Mm -hmm. They necess It necessitates structure and boundaries. And, you know, everything I'm writing about now is conversations. Yeah. You have to be willing to to process through something yourself first and then talk to people about how you're feeling, what's needed, what's being missed, and listen, 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 listen. It's not all about lecturing. It's about listening. But maybe as the adults, not even maybe, as the adults, I think it's our responsibility to open those doors. Yeah. I don't think we wait for our kids to come to us and say, you know, you could have come to me. Are we opening those doors where they know a conversation is going to be a safe non-judgmental connective place or they look at a conversation as being the greatest judgment, fear of retribution, fear of consequences, fear of losing respect. They're not going to talk to you about things. Sure. So we have to be thoughtful about that balance of, you know, where we are drawing the line about things and where we are also opening doors to things. Yeah. So it's more like it's not that... Um challenges won't happen to us and to our kids. No. But what we are shooting for, our goal to begin with the end in mind, is that not if, but when these things happen, that we have created a space for conversation of support, conversations, dialogue, relationship, relationship mm -hmm. building. Well, and the one of the last lines in there, and your sister and I were, she was talking about it with me last night, because I think she liked this line, was that sometimes we think that change is going to kill us, but it's actually the thing that saves us. Mm, yeah. Is And I'm going into kind of a fall of that, meaning the fall of the autumn, because I have a daughter going to college, and she loves, like, she, it's, like, if you like what's happening in your life right now, going to college doesn't necessarily sound that exciting. Right. Do you know what I mean? When you're like, I like my friends, you know, I like my partner, I like... What my job, I like where I am. It can be a little daunting to be like, oh, and now I'm going to go start over. Um, and then I have another daughter who, same thing, is likes her college, likes her friends, likes her partner, all that stuff, and is going to go abroad. Now, I'm not, these are wonderful things. Like, you know, they've worked hard for these things. These are things that a lot of people would love to do. But there's also, the nuance is that there's also a goodbye, and it's also hard, and change is hard. And when you go to college and you go abroad, you're, you change. Your life changes. And it's, it's, um, it will be difficult for me, yeah. even though I know I'm, they're doing what they want to do. And I'm supportive of all of that. But it is hard. And then I have a third daughter who's going to be a sophomore next year, and she's going to be doing all these different things. She's going to be driving in September. Todd and my life is changing. We're, our lives are changing dramatically. Big time. And so these are difficult things. They're beautiful. They're everything we work for. And those of you that like have little, little kids who are like, oh my God, mm -hmm. you know, I remember Todd conversations we would have where we'd be like, can you believe that someday we'll just be able to go out to dinner mm -hmm. without, you know, making plans? And now we've been doing that for what, four or five years? And you know what? It hasn't gotten old. No, it hasn't. We're like, we're like, you know, like we're five years into, know. you know, Skylar is 15 <laughs> and it's been a few years where we can just like not think and say, hey, we're going to dinner. Right. Like whereas before it'd be weeks in planning right. and people of younger kids know exactly what we're talking oh, yeah. about. Or and the babysitter who cancels. Yeah. So you can't go. And it's not, I, I have not become used to it. Me, me neither. I'm still appreciating the fact 
that there is this newfound freedom. Freedom. That's what we're talking about. And that we, you know, will like on a Friday be like, do you want to do a date tonight? Like just the, just the ability to have that flexibility. And then there's always, you know, the kid who's like, oh, my plans change. And we're like, well, then come with us. That's great. But we don't have to change our plans. It's not about, we don't want to be with them. I would love them around, but we don't have to be at the mercy of everybody else's lives. And, but that for those of you that have young kids, it's like, that feels so far away. I'm, you know, going to say the most cliche thing in the world. It's not that far away. Yeah. And you do what you do in your time. And then all of a sudden, these little things start to change. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, so anyway, um, that that's thank you for sharing that Zen Parenting Moment. And if you want to subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment, it comes out every Friday and you can just scroll down. Boom. Um, so you have to, uh, so we're going to use the Jonah Hill thing that came out this weekend as a vehicle of discussion for control and weaponization of, you know, self-awareness or therapy and among other things. But can you frame this for people who have no idea what we're talking about? Absolutely. And I'm going to try and, you know, this week, it just happens to be Jonah Hill, but it's not just him. And that's something we have to remember is he is also part of a culture that is, like we are, that has normalized this kind of behavior and that we view this, sometimes people like categorize this as like loving, you know? And so we're, he's just now in the the hot seat where we're focusing on this. But basically what happened is, as I said at the beginning, his girlfriend, I think on Friday or Saturday, um, spoke out and said that she had been in, in an emotionally abusive relationship with Jonah Hill. And so of course people were asking questions, why, why, why? Or how, what did that look like? And so she shared some texts um, that he had sent to her and she had, you know, sent back. And just for a little, you know, just to kind of give you the overview, she is a professional surfer. And so she is, that's how he found her. He actually DM'd her on Insta because she was posting all these pictures of her surfing. And obviously that there's a whole community in surfing, men and women. And obviously the clothes that you wear in surfing are bathing suits. Okay. So... These are just logical <laughs> understandings, but I don't know at what point where they were in their relationship, but what the texts basically said were Jonah telling her what pictures were going to be okay for her to post and that she needed to take certain ones down because she was showing her body, um, even though, and she would say, but this is a swimsuit. This is what I do. And these, this is my profession. And he's like, well, this is my boundary. And I respect you if you don't want to do it, but then goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, and there was a lot more than that. He actually sent yeah, her it, a list. Yeah, it's quite a few different um, texts. To, yes, and he actually sent her a list of things of saying, these are my boundaries, which I kept saying to Todd, let's change the word boundaries to rules to date me. Like, yeah. these are the rules. Like, he, this is the co-opting of therapy speak, where he has, we have normalized the word boundaries as a positive thing, which it is. But what what he's doing and what a lot of people do is they hijack these words to make them fit their agenda. And so instead of saying rules, he's saying boundaries. What boundaries are or are for our own internal well-being. It's basically the the best definition is it's okay. These things are okay and make me feel safe. And these things are not okay. Now, you may say, well, that's what he's doing. But he's he's taking his own insecurity. Yeah, it's not boundaries. um, I might be oversimplifying keeps one safe. And these rules that Jonah expressed were to keep his ego safe. Thank you. Beautiful. I couldn't say it better. That was trying to keep him from having to deal with his own feelings, his own insecurity, and his controlling behavior. Because this behavior, probably he used different words for it early on. Mm -hmm. And then now he has the word boundaries. Mm -hmm. And to say, oh, I respect you if you don't want to do them. Obviously, you don't. Mm -hmm. Like there's, again, the language manipulation. And this is what happens, you know, as I... I went through a big phase last year. People listening will remember that, um, you know, I talk a lot about cliques and cults. And this is what they do um, to make, to bring you in, is they start to use language to manipulate your thinking. Yeah. Um, I really recommend Amanda Montel's book called, um, Amanda Montel's book called, I'll look it up. Fin- um, something I can't remember, but it's one of my favorite cult books. Because she cultish? Ta- cultish, that's it. Because she talks about how language is really what's used to manipulate people. It's not so the people... It's the vehicle we have. It is. It's not a strong arming where someone's actually physically manipulating you. They are using words in two ways. Number one, to make you feel guilty, bad, ashamed. And then number two, to make you feel special. 
So, you know, they will use language like you are, um, well, this is the easiest. They'll use language that other people don't understand. Interesting, like therapy speak, um, where only certain people know this acronym or only certain people know this language. And we use it, you know, the best community, just one that I was part of is yoga, you know, where people use a lot of yoga language, a lot of mindfulness language, which I have also used and I still use it. But it's used to kind of push other people out and to make other people feel special. Like, you don't know what I'm talking about. So anyway, that's the that's the plot point that okay. Todd and I are going to focus on. Yep. But it's not just him. No. It's, it, a, it's <clears throat> a culture. It's a culture. Yes. So there's so many different ways that, you know, because when you and I were talking about this over breakfast yesterday, um, through a very limited lens... You can use all this speak to say, well, I'm just going to be restating what you just said is like, no, no, these are my boundaries. You can, if you want to go, like you can defend these, uh, his behavior based on, hey, these are my boundaries. And if you can't deal with them, then we'll just break up. And I'm just being honest, like through the lens <laughs> I know. of honesty. I know. And well, the use of the word honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just being honest. Right. Um, so it's. It's a, and there's so many gradations of it. You know, it could be so small. Yeah. And then there's something so obvious. And this is on the more obvious, like he's telling her what she can and can't post. And exactly. So for those people that are like, well, that is his boundary. And I don't know if a lot of people listening believe this, but let's go to a deeper level. What is love, right? In a relationship, what is love? Because this is, are you going to play the song, What is Love? Maybe. <laughs> As I say things, and I realize they have pop culture references to them, I watch Todd, and all of a sudden he like starts typing something, and I know he's going to do it. But what is the definition of love? And this is where I want to bring in um, after Todd plays this song. <laughs> what makes you think I'm going to play a song? I, I just watch you on the board producing. Oh, that's not it. This is not what is love. <laughs> having some technical issues. Sweetie, if you want. There you go. What is love, sweetie? Some deep lyrics here. <laughs> what is love, baby, don't hurt me? Yeah. Is basically it. Right. Actually, there's a few more. There's some. Is there? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so one of my favorite definitions that really I think hits at the core of what love is, is Maya Angelou. And we, we've probably done shows about this in our first five years of podcasting because I remember it was a master class that Maya Angelou did for um, Oprah Winfrey's channel. So this was a long time ago. Yeah. But her definition of love was love liberates. Mm-hmm. Love sets us free. And, you know, Todd, if you wouldn't mind, would you play the clip that it's at the very, it's at the end. It's the one that starts at four minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, sure. So I gave Todd this clip so she could explain it because it's her quote. Mm-hmm. And um, here we go. Okay. To love you. You were a piss poor mother of small children, but you were a great, great mother of young adults. And if you need permission to go, I liberate you. I went back to my house, and something said, "Go back." I was in my pajamas. I jumped in my car and ran. And the nurse said, "She's just gone." You see, love liberates. It doesn't bind. Love says, I love you. I love you if you're in China. I love you if you're across town. I love you if you're in Harlem. I love you. I would like to be near you. I'd like to have your arms around me. I'd like to hear your voice in my ear. But that's not possible now. So I love you. Go. We go. And where, so she started out talking about when her mom was dying, you know, she said she was saying to her mom, you know, I've heard that some people need permission to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, oh, sorry, I was just getting ready for the next one. So, you know, and Todd and I both had that experience. I said to both my parents when, you know, and I don't at the, at the point we were, you don't know how much they hear, but you do say to them, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You can go, you can go, you can go. And that's what love does. Love doesn't stay, get well. You know, it doesn't say like, stay here, don't leave me. It's like, this is, we, we, we love you. And so this is what we do. We liberate you. This is what we do as parents. 
we don't hold our children and say, child, you're going to do this sport and you are going to get straight A's and you are going to be this person. You're going to dress this way and I'm going to do your hair this way. That's not liberating our children. That's telling them who to be. Now, every, you know, everyone may say, well, but what about there's there's nuance in there. You know, maybe for certain occasions, you're like, you will wear a dress. Maybe some mornings you do comb their hair. I'm not saying we don't participate in their lives. I'm saying we don't hold their lives. We don't control their lives. The big thing is, I think that Todd and I want to talk about was with your partner. Yeah. What, you know, I really am. I do have a lot of experience prior to Todd. I've been telling him this for the last three days because reading those texts are not unfamiliar to me. I, I, until Todd, all the people, not maybe not all, but majority of people that I was maybe somewhat serious with, it was a controlling thing. Okay. Um, not all the time, like not every second. Well, that's, and that's the confusing part. That's the confusing part, right? This is what, again, this is what groups do and cliques do and cults do is there's good in it too. Abusive relationships, you know, when they get to that point, they're not all bad. Mm -hmm. There's bad moments or bad experiences or occasions or just the fear that lives inside of it. Nothing is all bad. It's again, you got to go back. It's not black and white. It's the gray is really difficult. We were, what were we just talking about, Todd, where it's so, oh, I think we were talking about it's so easy in a marriage to be like, this is the best marriage in the world. We love them so much. We, nothing ever goes wrong or that's one end of the spectrum or this person is awful to me. They're abusive. I've, you know, they are off. It's so obvious they're, they're abusive. And so the decisions are easy. Mm -hmm. You're either going to stay or you're going to go. Yeah. Most are, are in the middle. And so there's a lot of like figuring out and negotiating and, and growing and being willing to learn. And so Todd, for me, and it's not about that Todd has done, done everything perfectly. No, go ahead. Keep what, going. That's good. What I, have, what I knew about Todd when, I when we started dating was I knew he was a nice person and a good friend. I had watched him with other people. He di it didn't mean that... I, I could have been surprised and he would have been a controlling person. Which also sometimes happens in relationships because when going into a relationship, we tend to show the best version of ourselves. Correct. And then a year into a marriage, a year into dating somebody, then all of a sudden, you know, the snow globe is now resting. The latent misogyny kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Certain things happen. <laughs> yeah. It's like the culture that lives inside of you mm -hmm. starts to come out. And I'm not saying that happens to everybody, but no, there's pieces that, that are underneath that we're like, oh, I didn't know I felt this way. It happens to us as parents, right? Yeah. When we're like, I'm never going to do this. I'm yeah. never going to do that. And then all of a sudden we're saying these words that we thought we never were going to say. It lives inside of us. And so I, what I will say about, and again, I'll just focus on Todd, is that one thing he does for me, and and he and sometimes it necessitates a conversation, so he understands why I need it. But he sets me free, sets me free, sets me free, sets me free. And I don't mean in like a relationship where we're like swinging with other people. I or mean, or like you know you're like you know it's you you've never and this has happened too where um, a partner will be like you know what, I, I need a break and I'm going to go on vacation for three weeks. Yeah. Like if you said that to me when <laughs> we had three kids that were all in their adolescence, I'd be like, no, 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 no. We're a partnership. Right. Like that's not freedom. That's like, there's some responsibility here that we, yeah. so like all this stuff is new. That's disregarding of yeah, me. Right. Like, and that's, again, that's why this is such an interesting conversation because there's no like, there's no absolute rights or wrongs and every relationship is different. Mm -hmm. And there are, you get into a relationship for a certain reason for what your needs are. And then you're constantly, if you stay together in a monogamous relationship, you're constantly negotiating what that looks like, or, you know, maybe even those things shift. So well, it's fine. It's, I'm kind of thinking of like values, like you yeah. and I are not into swinging. There's plenty of couples out there sure. that are into swinging and Absolutely. all that. But for you and I, our value is like, we're going to be monogamous. Yeah. And I, I feel like what Jonah weaponized yes. was like his values are my girlfriend can't show herself in a certain way in a bikini, even though she's a surfer and she should have every right to picture whatever, to post any picture she wants. And Jonah's saying, well, these are my values. And he's saying, you're disrespecting me. Yeah. And he's also saying another one of my values is you listen to me mm -hmm. and you do what I tell you to do, which sounds like a chill up my spine because that is where it gets, that is abusive mm -hmm. where you're basically saying, I will control and manipulate you. I will tell you what to do. And then I'll also tell you, I love you. And, and I, 
I don't know this for a fact with him, but I will talk about relationships that often end up this way. It begins with so much love, like mm. something we call love bombing, where you just really, you just give everything you have to this person. You connect them to you. You make them need you. You make them want you. You may even separate them a little from their friends because they're so connected to you. And then you start doing these things. So these are not like stupid women. These are experiences where it is intentional. Yeah. There is a manipulation process that is going on. So going back to liberating, what I mean is I will, one of the best liberating things that we have in our relationship is the ability to talk about everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just see so often with women I know and women I work with where they'll bring something up and their partner will be like, I don't want to talk about that. Or you're bringing that up to hurt me. Or why are we talking about this again? Or get over it. And there's no respect for the conversation in itself. Well, and uh, it, this this Jonah thing, I just see it as such um, an easily resolved thing. Like Jonah's obviously into therapy. Like if you're struggling with this part of your relationship, talk about it in your therapeutic session or bring her in to the therapeutic session so you can have an honest conversation about it. All this happened on text. Like what an awful way to resolve conflict. Well, an interesting part of the texts were there was some alluding to without, and I'm going to say alluding to because we really don't know the full story because it's a pop culture story, but that his therapist, because we were talking about, we hope this isn't Stutz, which is the therapist he did the the yeah, whole, we did a whole podcast, a podcast yeah. but there was some alluding to the fact that his therapist said this was okay. Mm -hmm. And that she had a therapist that was like, this is manipulation. Mm -hmm. And because he said at one point, I think it's so funny that your therapist hates me mm -hmm. or something. And then she also had a friend that she was texting with that the friend was like, this is not okay. Like there was a lot of like these outside. And I'm saying this because there are therapists that don't do a great job with these kind of things. Yeah, because therapists are human beings. They and are. there's ones that have intention of being good who end up being really bad. Exactly. And if they feel, if they're in a relationship, and again, let's pretend it isn't Phil Stutz because I don't like that idea. Yeah. Let's pretend it's somebody else. They can sometimes be so enamored with their client. Oh, yeah. That they are like, whatever you feel, yeah. whatever you say. Like, that happens. These yeah. are human beings. Well, and I've said to many of my clients, because I talk a lot about revealing your honest truth to your partner in a very conscious way. Yes. But I'm also very careful to say, listen, revealing and dumping are two different things. Yeah. Revealing from a conscious place means, hey, I'm as part of this as you are. Yeah. Dumping is blaming, being in victim consciousness, and um, just saying whatever the hell you want. And because I say to my guys, I'm like, dude, just because I'm inviting you to reveal from this place doesn't give you permission to just dump all over your partner right. because you're like, because yeah, I'm, I'm inviting you, my client, to share your vulnerable feelings. But if they show up from this really restricted, controlling manner, that's not revealing. That is you just vomiting on the other person. Correct. There's no connection that happens in those moments. And you know, it's interesting to switch it off partnership for a second. There are some conversations we've been having with our girls and some of their friends about things that this happens in friendship a lot too. Mm -hmm. What you just said of this dumping mm -hmm. on text and then you need to listen to me or aren't you my friend? And they friend? say, well, I'm just being honest with you. Correct. Like, no, that's not, that's not, if you want to be in relationship with somebody, that's not the way to do it. Correct. And there, and so, you know, even the idea of love liberates has, you have to have an understanding of what that means in the relationship you're in. Because like Todd said, we could be in – you and I could be in relationship with other people and have a different value system. Mm -hmm. And when I say values, uh, that's, a, that's a strong word. We may have a different agreement mm -hmm. because values tends to be more of an internal guidance. Mm -hmm. But we may have different agreements, but because you and I are together, we have to come up with agreements with each other. Well, and I'm guessing Jonah didn't say on their first date, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be modifying, monitoring your posts. Right. And dictating to you what I think it's okay that you share or not share because, and I'm just making this up, because I'm a big famous person and I'm under bigger scrutiny and I don't want to deal with any pushback or whatever. 
I'm guessing that did not happen on day one. No, and I think, like I said before, I think there were, he was he's probably a love bomber. Yeah. Because anybody who starts to really control people, they can't do that until, until they, this person until they fill is, them up. Yeah, until yeah. this person feels dependent on them. They, you know, I don't know these specifics, but they could be living together. They yeah. could like share a dog. Like it's not. A, sometimes we're so flippant about. Well, then they should just do this. And I think it's important to note, like I, I'm sure if there was a video camera taping the relationship between these two people. 24 7 there'd be tons of evidence of how jonah is a loving yep, and compassionate that's and that's the thing like but that and that's why it gets so confusing i remember always we always talk about the burning bed because <laughs> Todd, i watched it when i was a little kid bed. and um you know physically abusive husband is just completed abusing farrah fawcett's character and he would always say to his kids i love your mama and I'm just like <laughs> I know, and that's because, and again, this is why I wanted to dig into the word love. It was your understanding of the word love that made it confusing to you. Yeah, he his understanding of the word love was controlling a person and have yeah. someone be subservient to them. Yeah, he's like, I love. I he should just put the word love away and say, I love to control your mom. Yeah, I right. love to have ownership over your mom yeah. he his his definition of love and that's why words are so important because what again you know going back to what Maya Angelou said what does love do love is really about the valuing of another person so much and honoring them that you want them to feel joy and happiness in their lives well you're not focused on what you need from them all the time. Of well, course, in relationship... Hold on one second. Sorry. In course, in relationship, you want to have your needs met, but that the big overall goal is that you want this person to feel good about who they are. Um, we were at a wedding this weekend. Uh-huh. And my friend Sean, who gave the toast because he was the father of the bride, talked a little bit about the... I'll call it my judgment, the ridiculousness of the traditional version of a wedding ceremony. And one of his friends said something like, are you excited to give your daughter away? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember and that. he's like, that's so absurd. Like, she's not mine to, to give. give away. Mm -hmm. Or do you take this um, man to be? It's, I thought it was just a really interesting part of his toast. And I'm, I might end up stealing some of what he shared because I totally believe that. Like, my daughters are not mine. And the fact that that language resides in a marriage and a wedding ceremony is the most, and I know it predates to when women were property and all the ridiculousness of it, but it still kind of seeps into our 2023 culture. Yeah. Well, we love, um, tradition Ritual. and sometimes yeah. we don't realize what we're saying mm -hmm. and where it came from. And it's part of the reason why, you know, sorry to go down this track, but I'll just be quick. It's part of the reason why it, why we need to understand history right? Is if we're just going to be like, nope, let's just do today. Who cares where it came from? Who cares why we have that statue? Who cares why we say these things? Then we're missing yeah. what the intention was behind it in the first place. And sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes the history behind things carry a heavy negative energy. And we, and that whole idea of, do you give, you know, I'm going to give her away. And again, I get it. Like I, it, it was probably said at my wedding. Yeah. I, it, it's not a judgment of people. It's just, that really means she was my property and now she's your property. Mm -hmm. And so these are conversations that we may say, you know what, I know what it means, but I like the tradition. We're going to go with it. Great. You know, you get to decide that. Yeah. And I, I think that was said at my wedding. Well, when we, we started out talking about messiness and control, and now we're talking about possession Correct. and it all is it's intertwined all with all this. And that's the thing is, I think as Todd and I watch, you know, our girls have relationships and be in friendships and we even watch friends of ours get remarried and repartner. And these, these issues, they keep their, their ongoing, their, their forever conversations. And what does it mean? You know, the bottom line is what is, cause I, I started the podcast by saying freedom. Can we see that setting people free in a conversation, in like the smallest level, like allowing them to share, setting them free when they're like, you know what, I want to change my career, um, setting them free when they start w about how they dress or or who they are. It's a way of loving them. You know, it's a way of supporting and honoring. And then 
the place where we then speak up is we also have to honor ourselves in the process. If those things that I just referred to are hurting us in a way that our partner doesn't understand, we also need the freedom to vocalize that. Mm -hmm. This is a very circular thing. It's not a one-sided thing. It's not a love your partner and forget about yourself. And it's not only think about yourself. It's a constant cycle of awareness. And I just think that one thing that I know, you know, with my children and, you know, they're becoming adults and it's even more important that I set them free. But when they were little, you know, when they were done with a sport, when they were ready to try something new, when they wanted to wear their coat backwards or wear two different shoes, to set them free, like just be like, okay, you know, and even for those middle schoolers who are like, I'm not going to wear my coat to school because it's not cool. Okay, go, go, go free. So, you know, like it's, and to, instead of control and tell them what they need to do because it makes you feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. versus allowing them to have their life experience. And every conversation I feel like, you know, because Todd and I do Team Zen, which is our Team Zen team Zen app. And we have live conversations every month, you know, a few of them. And parents will always bring us examples, you know, live examples of something that's going on in their lives where this is a very nuanced situation. They'll say, well, I want to set them free, but this is dangerous. And I'm like, okay, well then this is different than setting them free. You also need to have some conversation about how this is dangerous. So do you see how it's very Mm multi-layered, but the the going back to the initial conversation about these texts those that to me is a very clean cut version of co-opting language mainstreaming therapeutic language and then imposing it on somebody to justify your control mm-hmm. and that may have been a one time one weekend conversation yeah but i think we if you're listening to this well, we're and gonna, we're going to use it to help Yeah, that's all. Can we use it? And if you're somebody who receives texts like this, it could be from your partner, your friends, whatever, or you send them to your children or your partner, whatever. It it what what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, like what is the what is the thing you're fearing? What is the control? Why are you exerting this kind of control? Um, Yeah, and and sorry to keep going back to Jonah, but it's uh, he might say it through the lens of keeping her safe when in (laughs) fact he's keeping. His, him safe. his own ego safe. So it's always about what's underneath it. Like if you right. want to say something, if you believe something, it's about the exploration of like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I'm guessing that this was um, not a, I, I, you know, it's funny. Like I thought about my, like if, so, cause I said something to you like, well, it kind of sucks that this was a private conversation between these two people and we're all not talking about it. Yeah. And there's, so many layers to that because like I don't know how to describe this without um sounding like I'm patting myself on the back too much but if 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 the social media were interested in what my texts were which they're not but if they were I really don't think there would be much there for me to be embarrassed about yeah um so that's the one thing and then the other thing that you said that was interesting to me which I now understand is if she didn't share these screens, he has the power, he's more famous, he's got the Academy Awards, she's a surfer, and it would, we wouldn't be talking about it. It would go into the ethers and be like, well, it's a he said, she said thing. Well, because Todd said, you know, and and I get this, again, this conversation is an open conversation. There's many different viewpoints. And he's like, you know, he's like, I I don't think you said, I wish she wouldn't have done this, but you're like, it's kind of personal that she's sharing all these texts. And and your your inference was she should have done this another way. And I said, what should she have done? Yeah. Like, this is the very, like, and I'm going to use the word patriarchal idea, is that people shouldn't do this. They should do it another way. And I'm like, what's that way? Yeah. Call the police? Yeah. Tell tell your friends who are going to be like, well, he's more powerful than you. So what are you going to do? And even if you do, and when I say go to the police, this is not that kind of situation. But in a situation where you are physically harmed, and, and then you go to the police and you don't get help anyway, well, because, the, you know, the idea of... You're, you're questioned about your your experience. You're told that you're lying. You're told that you're being dramatic. Like there's this belief system that there's this way that solves things for women. Well, and I'm trying to think, um, what's her name? The, his girlfriend? I don't know. Oh, Honestly, probably, I don't. Um, God, I forgot. Kate. I th- she's a surfer. I think her name's Kate. Yeah. Oh, and the, even to Kate, 
what was her intention of sharing this? My hope is, and my expectation is probably, she wants to share her experience so that other people who start getting manipulated can empower themselves in such a way to be able to do that. Um, and free herself. To, if she's doing it to get back at her right. ex-boyfriend, that's probably less... Oh, her name is Sarah Brady. Sarah. So it's not Kate. Sorry, Sorry Sarah. Um, it's all about... What's her intention of sharing this? And my guess is it's to help and not to harm. Um, if she's just doing it out of vengeance, and I'm not, I can't say what's in her brain, but my hope is she's doing it to empower other people that have been in this position so well, that they can empower themselves. She actually says, um, so he's, by the way, in a different relationship right now and just had a child. Okay. So she said, it says, starting July 7th, Brady began sharing these Instagram stories about um, Hill's alleged emotional abuse, posting DMs and texts that were, she said, were sent by the 39-year-old actor. She said, sharing this publicly now because keeping it to myself was causing more damage to my mental health than sharing mm -hmm. it could ever do. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that was where you're like, well, I think you were like, you didn't love that. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about, and, and this gets a little messy, I'm not saying right or wrong, good or bad, but what we know about traumatic experiences is the ability to share them and write them change everything. Yeah. I There's a, you know, we had Sarah and Nippy from A Little Bit Culty, their podcast, um, they were on our podcast too, and we were on their podcast. Um, and they talked to people who are getting out of cults, you know, every week. And I was just listening to one this morning and they were talking to all these people who get out of these experiences. Someone always inevitably writes a book and it, and their therapist inevitably recommends it because yeah. when you've gotten out of an experience, there's two things you really want to do, get it out of your body mm -hmm. and get it all on paper. So it's not living inside of you. Yeah. And then number two, you want to share your perspective of it because other people have their own story about it. And it's not about winning or losing. It's about feeling like you got your story up. That's why I write. Yeah. I these these Zen parenting moments that I write, they don't they're not for you, everybody. They're for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's something I'm struggling with. And so me getting it on paper helps me like find the language to like find a place to put it. You know, some people paint, some people sing, some people dance. I write. Yeah. And so for her, there was obviously she's been dealing with this for a while. She's in therapy and there was a decision she made everybody can have their own opinion about if it's right or wrong, good or bad, but to, to not, it, it, it must be interesting. And this is totally true with Harry, or Harvey Weinstein and all those other people too. When you are going on and you're struggling and you're suffering after a breakup and that person is thriving, sure. that must be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I guess we, in our own experiences have that where if you've had a breakup or something like that, or a business partner, and then you're watching them and you know how bad they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really even want to comment on good or right or wrong. Sure. Because I don't have enough information. Um, so there was one more quote you wanted me to play from Maya, and we're getting close to the end. Okay. So I think this last one, the reason I liked it is because I it, it's it's about kids. Um, but just to give you a teeny bit of background before Todd plays it, Maya Angelou and her mother had a really difficult early childhood experience. Maya Angelou's mother, what she, you kind of heard this from the last quote, did not was not very um, supportive and loving supportive of loving when Maya was young and you may know her story from reading Maya's books but when she when Maya was an adult she was amazing and they became very close and very connected so this is a story where Maya was young she had just had a, her first child she was living with her mother and her mother was helping take care of her and she told her mother I'm leaving mm -hmm. all right so tell me when to cut it off okay she asked me, you're leaving my house? I said, yes, ma'am. And you're taking the baby? I said, yes. She said, all right, remember this. When you step over my door sill, you've been raised. You know the difference between right and wrong. Do right. Don't let anybody raise you and make you change. And remember this, you can always come home. I went home every time life slammed me down and made me call it uncle. I went home with my baby. My mother never once acted as I told you so. She said, oh, baby's home. Oh, my darling, mom's going to cook you something. Mother's going to make this for you. Love. She liberated me to life. She continued to do that. That's good. All right. 
And I just, that's something that I believe in very deeply. And I know that there are, I have worked with families where there have to, because of addiction and certain things, oh, there's yeah. had to be certain decision-making sure. where you can't do that. Mm. And I get that. And, and there is, this is not a, a catch-all. But if we have relationships with our children where we feel like, um, you know, there's not that issue, I love, you know, I love when my girls go out in the world and then come back. It's like one of the best things ever. Like, and there, and, and it could be a little thing like a choice they made just for the day. And then they come back and our decision to not judge, to not say, I told you so, to not be like, well, you wouldn't have had to go through this if you would have listened to me. All that's our ego of needing to win yep. versus being a safe place where our children, where we, we give them all that, like what I love about that quote is she starts by saying the mom's like, okay, you're raised then. If you're leaving, you are raised. But when, you know, and so she's setting that boundary of you're now an adult. But every time Maya came home, she was like, yay. And that's, how, I mean, I get goosebumps because that's how I feel. Like it, that's the enjoyable part of having adult children. I love, like JC's traveling this week. She's been gone for a week and she gets home like tomorrow or Wednesday. And it's so fun. To have the kids like go come do on. life and yep. then come back. And even if we're, if they're going to do something crazy uh, where we're like, oh, geez, you know, just to come back and be a place where they can lay it all out. Lay it all out, share their experience, refuel. Yeah. Because when, when we go outside, it gets, we get depleted. Yeah, we get depleted. So. And to share the positive and negative, they may say, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. And here's what I learned. But that's so valuable. Mm-hmm. And I don't. You know, just like Jonah or us as parents don't have such an ego stake in it. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. Our ability to just be like, I hear you where you are. I'm glad you've learned this. I understand. Or they're just beaten up in, you know, life has beaten them up and be like, I will take care of you, you know? Well, and maybe closing thoughts on the whole Jonah thing, because that's what we've been talking about most, is um, the one piece that I don't think we shared specifically, but we have been sharing it generically in this whole show is... Does he have any idea the impact to his girlfriend? Right. Like if love, you know, it's free, it's freedom. It's every control. But if I'm dictating to you, Kathy, as my wife, that this is what I need you to do and have a complete disregard of how it's landing for you. Yeah. Or what I need. Or what you need. Yeah. Like we didn't say that. We kind of said it in so many words, but I just think it's important to remind myself that whatever I do has an impact, yes. positive or negative. Yes. And Jonah's experience, at least through this very limited lens, is your the impact was not healthy on your girlfriend. It was my way or the highway. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're either going to follow my control yeah. or goodbye. Yeah. And he used words like, and I'll respect you, yeah. you know, which that's not respect at all. Right. Um, and so, yeah, Todd, and, the, and this impact that we, you know, when we are telling the people we love, whoever these people are, that they must do things. If they are going to get love from us, then that's control. Mm-hmm. If we use love as like a bargaining tool, mm-hmm. then that's not love. Yeah. That's control. It's funny. We had a Zen talk last week and there was a mom on there that was struggling because her son was not making really good choices. And sometimes love does look different Mm -hmm. and we can have a whole nother show on that. I'm not about to open up that can of worms, but sometimes we need to do uncomfortable things through a lens of love because our kids are going off the rails. Well, it was interesting. The story she told was so amazing because she and her husband, they were very concerned. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with a plan. Here's what we're going to do. They sat him down to talk Mm -hmm. and he was so open and vulnerable and sharing that they didn't have to do any of the things. All the punitive punitive things that they thought. Guidelines that they were about to impose. And so the irony was... And, And she even said, she's like... You know what, son? I actually had some other things yeah. planned for this conversation. <laughs> right. But because you seem to be really engaging and open to this conversation, we're going to just put that on the side and we may never have to revisit it. And he knew he could do that because they had liberated him yeah. for his whole teenage years. They have had so many conversations with him that he felt liberated to share, which kept from those punitive, kept the punitive, you know, consequences and yeah. all the those kind of rules they weren't as necessary. And so sometimes we're just, again, so black and white about it. It's either here or there, right or wrong. And there's so much gray Mm -hmm. in between and, and it's ever changing. 
So um, hopefully that helped everybody. We do have uh, our three things, like, subscribe, comment on our YouTube channel, the Team Zen, and then finally Kathy's book, hopefully. Uh, and it's all in the show notes, so you can revisit that. And I also want to say thank you to Jeremy Kraft. He is our partner since day one. So if there's anybody in the Chicagoland area that does painting or remodeling in their house that they need some help, uh, give him a call, 630-956-1800, or just go to his website, Avidco. Dot net. Anything else, my darling? No, but if you really want to feel inspired today, go to YouTube, look up Maya Angelou uh, Love Liberates mm-hmm. on, and watch the whole thing. And uh, it'll give you that, that sense of um, foundation that you need for the day. Keep dragging. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.